It's October 20th, 2022. This is a special edition of Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 208 of Rook, The Uprising. Hey Ayatollahs, you won't win this war against your own people. I'm Gian Gomeshi, hello to you from Toronto, Salam Dustan Aziz, Durur Beshama. It's a simple message for the Ayatollahs, you won't win your war against the Iranian people. Those of us with family in and from Iran may have some extra pride and stake in wanting the finale to be near, but an objective case can be made here. Everyone knows it's only a matter of time. You see, your days will end and your brutal reign will be over, and at this point, one will be hard-pressed to find anyone who can make a cogent argument for your survival. It may not be tomorrow. Your murderous tactics that are now finally being discovered worldwide may delay the inevitable, but get ready, because Ayatollahs, you won't win your war against the Iranian people. And look, don't take it from me, I'm an Iranian kid who grew up in the West, now sitting in front of a microphone in Canada. No, better to take this from voices closer to your ears and eyes. Surely they're more credible and convincing. Shall we make a short list? Take it from the brave women right now, walking in the city streets in Iran without wearing your mandatory hijab. There's no turning the clock back on those courageous souls. Take it from kids who are putting their lives on the line to get rid of you. A new generation armed with a lack of fear. The same ones you open fire on with live ammunition in places like Sanandaj and Zahidan. Take it from the world-class writers and artists and poets and filmmakers that you've rounded up and sardined into the notorious Evin prison only to terrorize them further with fires, gunshots and bombs inside. Their works will never be silenced. Take it from the teenage girl students who flouted strict rules and chased an adult male superintendent out of their schoolyard. Take it from oil workers and their sisters and brothers in other fields beginning to walk off the job and close businesses to oppose you. Take it from the friends and supporters of independent journalist Hossein Ronaqi, who you picked up and detained and tortured and who's not been seen from or heard from this week. A nation will remember what you've done. Take it from the families and friends and compatriots of all those innocent lives you've stolen, including the victims of Flight 752 and of the protesters in Alban and on and on. Families and supporters who will not rest until there is justice. Never forget, never forgive. Hey Ayatollahs, you won't win this war against your own people. Take it from the young musician who wrote a simple song that's become our international anthem. Take it from the resilient dear souls of Kurdistan who won't stand for you or anyone suppressing them anymore. Take it from all those who refuse to let your agents and lobbyists and proxies set the narrative in the West any longer for free. Oh, there will be a price to pay. Take it from an entire planet that's now familiar with the name Massa Amini. Say her name, Massa Amini. Hey, Ayatollahs, you won't win the war against your own people. And if all that's not enough, take it from the academic textbooks that have long identified the conditions for successful revolutions. Here's some. One, mass discontent resulting in local uprisings. Check. Two, dissident elites with skills and education. Check. Three, powerful motivations that cut across class lines. This time, check. Four, severe crises including economic depression that will lead to worker strikes and military defections increasingly. Check. Five, an international context that serves to dissuade other nations from intervening to prevent a revolutionary movement. Pretty much check. 
You see, no matter how much you deflect, detain, deter, and destroy, history is not on your side. The autumn of 2022 is officially turning the tide forever. It may take time, but it's inevitable. Oh no, Ayatollahs, you will not win the war against your own Iranian people. Coming up, we have another special edition of our program. We're going to speak to three different young people on the front lines in Iran right now. This is Rook, episode 208, Voices from Inside Iran, part four. All right, here we go. In the Rook studio... I'm Gian. Hello, Pega. Hello. And uh, Shia. Hello. Shia Our The uprising rook on our team is assembled again. I should explain to people listening, especially regular listeners of, of ours, these programs that we do on Mondays and Thursdays, we, we usually record them uh, either mid-afternoon, sometimes late afternoon, sometimes early afternoon. Right now, it's early evening on uh, Thursday night in Toronto, um, and it's going to go into mid-evening as we <laughs> record this. Uh, and that is because we have spent most of the day mm. trying to uh, get people on the line from Iran. We've been committed to this series we've been doing on Thursdays, which is Voices Inside Iran, which has been... Um, so powerful even for us, let alone the, the, the nice reaction we get from uh, the audience. But just talking to protesters, young people, people on the front lines in Iran, people describing what's going on. We've had someone in Rasht, uh, in Mashhad, and a lot of people in Tehran. Um, so, but with each week, uh, we were just talking about this before we hit the air here with each week it's getting more and more difficult mm -hmm. yes. because of the internet yeah. crackdowns because of the what the regime is trying to do in, ter in terms of disabling people's ability to communicate and yes. so t today we thought like as of I don't know 9 a.m. this morning I think we had five mm -hmm. people yes. lined up and right now we're hoping over the course of the show to get three of them mm -hmm. we have um Somebody named Behgol in Shiraz. We have Bardia. We're calling him Bardia in Tehran. And Sammy, who has been on with us once before, also in Tehran. If we can yeah. <laughs> get them. I mean, they've been. it's been on and off all day. Yes. Shai has been, this is your entire day. You've been sitting <laughs> Yes, there. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, like they say, yes, we are ready. And then they will disappear for like a couple hours and waiting to messages to deliver to them. And yeah, it's. And we're switching from platform to platform <laughs> yes. and we're trying not to identify where they are yeah. and we're using different names. And, and so we reach out to them on Telegram and they go, I'm yeah. here. And then next minute, Telegram's gone. Uh, yeah, I could find a guy in Sistan, Baluchistan, and he said, yeah, I, I will do it. And then I couldn't yeah, find him. Yeah, anymore. yeah. So, so, uh, and, and, Roham had somebody uh, in Tehran that yeah. um, we now, as of this morning, said, "Yeah, I'm good," and now <laughs> we can't uh, we can't get in touch with her. There's, so there's reports that the lowest level of connectivity is at five percent in the country. Yeah, I mean that's no, you can feel it. Yeah, you can feel, imagine the difference between this and th three weeks. Yes. Exactly. I mean, they were saying at that time, "Migof oh, they've cut the mm -hmm. internet and all that, but it you can feel the severity of it increase mm -hmm. week to week in real time. I mean, I'm. Most Iranians in the diaspora will be familiar with this because it's becoming 
increasingly hard to get in touch with family and friends. But for us, it's very apparent, and it's so hit and miss. Mm, Yeah, I mean, I miss my father, really. You can't contact him? No, I mean, sometimes you can't... um, uh, some like texts to each other but like a video call it's yeah. been a while I think. yeah i think i'm gonna i'm curious when we talk to sammy if we can get him because he's i think he's, he was one of the ones that was saying he has a connection to get vpns and mm-hmm. um so I, I they must be putting using vpns and then the authorities knock them yes. and get rid of them yes. and they have yes. to use new ones yes. and yes. the problem is it's there's no consistency that's the thing i mean you know like anyone else i have family back home and with my aunt, for example, we have like these regular weekly calls. And over the course of the last five weeks, it's been so hit or miss. I mean, sometimes we'll be able to get a hold of her. Other times the messages won't get delivered. Like Shia is saying, we're switching from platform to platform. So it's that inconsistency, I think, yeah. that's causing the most amount of stress. So do, do stick around if you're listening. Uh, we, we're we very, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm quite, uh, what do I say, proud of but uh, enamored of, of these voices that we hear from Iran and we figured out this ability to, to be able to bring them to you uh, each Thursday. So um, if, if the last three Thursdays have been any indication, this is gonna be a, um, powerful again, but we just have to, so Shia, we'll start talking <laughs> and whenever you know, we've got uh, Behagol, uh, I'll let, you yeah, know, let yeah. us know because you're, just start now, sure, start. Yeah. Uh, yeah getting her in Shiraz. With these episodes, we've been um, catching up each few days when we do an episode on what the, what basically what's happened in the preceding uh, few days. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about that, um, uh, again, these are the kind of, it's it's funny, we're in this moment where so many Iranians are watch, looking at social media mm-hmm. that some of the same storylines are, are universal. You can bet within a day or so if you see a certain video that everybody's yeah. seen it and they know what they're, they know what we're talking about. So one of them that I, I wanted to bring up because I think this is of some significance is um, there's a gentleman named Hossein Ronati who I mentioned in the opening yes. essay there um, who is a very well-known, I guess, dissident Mm-hmm. independent journalists and blogger, but who, who's inside Iran and who very publicly has been grabbed and detained. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we see that. We also have that video of them pushing him into the car. They had sort of a uh, arm around his neck. Yes. And um, so, and this is the person, as I said in the opening essay, that is has been tortured now and we don't know where he is. I just thought, Pega, you can maybe give us some of the, why this is significant in and amongst so many folks who are being detained mm-hmm. and of course people some of our heroes artistically Jaffa Panahi whatever who are sitting in jail but but what they're doing with Hossein Ronaki mm-hmm. can you explain yeah I mean like you said um, he's um, he's a political dissident he's a blogger he's a free speech activist and he's been very vocal over the years um, I think he started gaining popularity um, around the 2009 green movement um, and right around when he started gaining popularity he started also um, being imprisoned mm-hmm. so he was yeah um, he was actually originally sentenced to 15 years in prison back mm. in 2009, I believe, following some of the um, um, 
writings that he did um, in yeah, regards to... The crime to the, of writing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he actually only ended up serving six years in total um, as a result of long stretches of medical leave due to, um, I think he has a heart condition, um, he has some um, kidney-related illnesses, mm. um, and the list goes on. But, you know, those um, medical leaves certainly did not mean any less brutality. I think even as he was on those leaves over the course of the many years that he was in and out of prison, um, he was still attacked, arrested. Mm. Um, there was all sorts of ongoing, um, like I said, just further brutality. Um, and that was, you know, stretching between 2009 all the way up to 2015, I think. Um, and then most recently, he actually uh, published an article um, in the Wall Street Journal, um, and that was published October 12th of 2021. And in that article, it was it was actually titled "The Western Media Aren't Telling You the Truth About Iran." Yes. And so, in that article, um, he basically criticized the Western media and emphasized on why the Western media is failing the Iranian people by constantly denying or or, or rather overlooking the reality of what Iran is really like. Right. Um, and I and I will just quote a line from him in that article because I found it so moving. He said, um, "Writing this could land me back in prison, but if that's the price for giving a voice to the voiceless." It will be worth it. And sure enough, right. he was Prophetic. in fact. Yes, he's yep, now exactly. back in prison. Yeah. Well, February 23rd of 2022, he originally disappeared for a couple of days. Um, then it was confirmed that he was arrested um, and he was uh, then released on bail March 2nd. And uh, he continued to be the voice of the voiceless, like he said himself. And then again, he published an article again with the Wall Street Journal um, in May of 2022. And he titled it, Iran Jailed Me for My Last Op-Ed. Hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, rightly so, obviously. And so he continued to, you know, as he said, be the voice of the voiceless. Um, and I mean, it's a story that we all know too well. So, you know, what that, that video that you were referring to that we've all seen is just kind of the last of this chronicle of brutality and attack on this individual who, you know, his only crime was writing. Yeah. And the video we're talking about is a bunch of kind of regime thugs again, playing close militia, yeah. grabbing him and, you know, so uh, putting him in a headlock and trying to put him. Uh, and, and before that, the video of his father, actually, that he's like, he's helpless, you know, that kid said, hey, man, come back. Yeah. And actually that video that we're referring to, um, he was actually going to be arrested September 22nd of this year. He narrowly escaped that um, that arrest, and he actually came onto Instagram and he published a video, and he said, you know, if this is the way that I'm going to be arrested, this is this is what I've been talking about all this time, this brutality, this is not yeah. lawfulness, and so he said, I'm actually going to turn myself in. So two days from now, on September 24th, I'm going to be at, and I mean, I'm not familiar with the areas, but he said that he was going to t mm -hmm. go somewhere and turn himself in, and prior to actually turning himself in is where we see that video. Oh, I see. So, right. I mean, just unbelievable. And, and Chaya, you you're a follower of uh, of of him, and and what do we know about how he's been treated? So far, I mean, what I uh, first of all, we don't know if he's even alive or no, you know, mm. because there is no news about him. But for sure, we knew that they broke his legs mm -hmm. and. Um, and so as uh, Pegas said some kidney problem actually it's I mean uh, yeah, yeah we, we really don't know and after the uh, Evin uh, incident we don't know anything that's about right him. yeah the last time he had legal counsel was September 24th yeah so 
I mean, this is the, you know, when, when people who are uh, honking their car horn get shot, mm-hmm. you know, you can imagine what a, a, a public dissident yeah. who's exactly. written the kind of things he's written um, and what a, what a brave soul he is. So, yes. so that's something that a lot of people have been talking about. The other thing this week that, that is kind of a moving story, and we, we talked about it a bit on Monday, and there was a cloud around it in terms of not knowing exactly um, what was happening, and we still don't actually know exactly what's happening, but was this rock climber that oh. captured our imagination and our hearts uh, on the weekend, Elnaz Rekabi. Rekabi. Uh, and Elnaz, of course, was, you know, she she prepares to go and then climbs at a competition in Korea, the, the wall uh, a competition without her headscarf, without her job, and this is seen as a political act. And then uh, on Monday, she had disappeared, and then we, while we were recording the show, um, we had the news that she was on a plane to Iran. So then in the last couple of days, She's turned up in Iran, kind of disavowed in what I what I thought looked like a hostage video. I mean, it looks like she's like been told what she has to say, and um, and uh, then has to you know has appeared with some authorities and looks inc- incredibly uncomfortable. And um, my interpretation of it was that the regime. Uh, realizes that they can't just sort of kill her or do something um, because she's kind of an international cause celebre now. So so they have to be careful. But at the same time, they've scared the shit out of her and she can't talk and she's mm-hmm. kind of trying to toe the line. Now, that's one interpretation yes. because I know, Shia, you've, you've I been... I her, her story is, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit weird to me. I mean, for sure, in these days, the... The shop of conspiracy theory is hot, and like yes. you can have different interpretation of things. But I mean, first of all, it's kind of impossible that you can go on in an international level uh, competition, and you can you don't obey the rule of the Islamic. Why Republic. is it impossible? Because even even like. Uh, men wrestler they have a guy next to them like from regime yeah. to uh, to police them and it's really uh, that's one thing the other thing is that like then you go to ne- see, uh, stand next to the sport minister and like kind of with a hijab that if you wear that hijab in the street wearing gash- a cola cap yeah, basically, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Gash there, so definitely would uh, arrest you. But I thought that was more, that's probably more defiance from her. No? Mm, it, yeah, I mean, it could be another. It could be, or it could be. So, so, so this theory, whether you espouse it or not, says that this is what? A regime kind of. Wants to show that we are kind to our, the hijab is not our issue. We are, we accept all kind of. But you know, <laughs> they're definitely trying to say that because I mean, the the um, Iran's National Olympic Committee and the right. individual who represented them, um, someone by the name of Mohammad Khosravi Wafa, 
Mm-hmm. Hell of a name. Yep. Um, he actually, he was quoted saying that um, she's not going to, or they're not going to take any sort of disciplinary action because this was an unintentional act on her part. Yeah, yeah. Like, she so said she, for, like now she says, but again, I think this is forced, but she mm-hmm. says, uh, well, I, I was rushed and I forgot yeah. and you know, it was difficult and... Um, so I, for me, it's like she she did she was did something activist, and then um, they realized they can't uh, that the that the PR would be too bad. I mean, it's weird because on the one hand, when yeah. has the Islamic Republic regime cared yeah. about the PR? But but you know that they know how bad this would be, mm-hmm. if, uh, and so there's some sort of deal cut. Okay, we basically yeah. will save your life if you. But this is bullshit, a question. You know? do you th- how much do they care about that this is bad or this is not bad? They kill people in the street. Yeah. They do, they but but the turnout. I mean, at the airport it would when t- she be was going that, See that? Yeah, right. That was so inspiring. Exactly. So to catch people up, if if you don't know the story, so when this athlete was returning to Tehran. Hundreds of people gathered mm-hmm. at the airport. It was like 5 a.m. too yes, yes. Yeah. to greet her and cheer her as a hero. That's yeah. Right. And uh, by, uh, by the way, they weren't cheering because she did well at the competition. Yeah. They, <laughs> they're cheering because she competed without yes. a hijab. Yeah. So this is these are the kind of things we see that where we know the the revolution is still fermenting and growing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. That's a that's not something that. So generally, uh, I would say the whole story. I see it as a something for celebration, but I mean there is also conspiracy theory around. Yeah. It. All right. Yeah. Well, um, is is the is the resignation of Liz Trust in <laughs> Britain <laughs> part of the, is, there, is there an Iranian conspiracy? Is there somehow did the did the mullahs? Uh, I just want to say, as a kid born in London and a you know British kid and somebody who was just there last month and and who's. Uh, a political junkie to study political science. I would be obsessed with the story of what's happening in Britain right now with the the disastrous Tory party and the you know the the the, the, the revolving door of prime ministers. Uh, and I barely cared about it when I heard the news this morning. I kind of watched her press conference. Okay, let's trust you yeah. because I'm so enamored or so involved twenty four seven in what's mm-hmm. happening in Iran. Like pretty much everybody in the diaspora that even the resignation of a prime minister after a couple of weeks and i mean the whole thing is a disaster in britain but i'm i'm in i guess i'm in the bubble of iranian news i kind of put up with it for a few minutes and then okay back to what's you know finding out what's going on in iran i have to say though 45 days in office she's she's gonna be the shortest serving prime minister in the uk i think she is yeah yeah yeah. Uh, by yeah and incredibly unpopular, mm-hmm. but the whole thing has been. I mean, it's not. It's, it goes back three prime ministers. That Britain's politics are are a mess, I think. And and you know, I don't even know how how they're climbing out of this. Look, that's for our version of Rook that's about the British diaspora. But I, if this were normal times and we had a couple yes. of Rook guests coming on, I would mm-hmm. probably spend the first 15 minutes just yes. talking about the situation in England because it's so interesting <laughs> to me. But it's it's almost feels irrelevant. Everything feels irrelevant yeah. when they're shooting kids in Iran. Um, listen, one thing I want to say before we get to, any luck, by the way? Actually, Behkul, she's almost ready, but I think okay. we have just okay. one minute. So... Um, I should let me use this time to say that this Saturday, so the day after tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this, right now it's Thursday night for us, but Saturday, October 22nd, 
yesterday, if you're listening to this on Sunday, uh, <laughs> is is a global uh, day of action. I mean, I don't know how many people are officially how many people planned for it to be a global day of action, but it's it's one of those things where there was the massive demonstration planned for Berlin with mm-hmm. Hamid Ismailiyun. And then there was a massive demonstration planned for Washington, the March on in Washington. And then there was stuff planned in LA and mm-hmm. Toronto. And it's it's become, whether all of the protests are woven into the same organizer, organizers or agenda, there are protests pretty much everywhere in any major center uh, around the world this Saturday. And I really put out a video last night on Instagram, but I really hope that anyone who is interested and anyone who has been saying, oh my God, what can we do about Iran? Who's sitting in the diaspora, this is the least we can do. Hit the streets on on uh, uh, on Saturday. I would never tell people inside Iran what they're supposed to do in terms of hitting the streets, but I can say this in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get out there. Let's get out there. If you're in Toronto, if you're listening to us here, uh, Queens Park at 2.30 p.m. I know things are happening in, in Winnipeg, in Vancouver, in Montreal, in Sacramento, in Kansas City, in New York, um, all of Oslo, Budapest, uh, I mean. Istanbul. Dub- yeah. Dublin, Istanbul. Right. So, so this is, and it's interesting because I, I got a few text messages the last few days from people who are, a little more organized, a little more involved in the politics of mm-hmm. these kind of demonstrations, and so somebody saying, "Well, I didn't want to go to this one because it's being planned by this person, and this one is with a group that I disagree with," and and I really don't have, I get it, but right now, especially having gone to I don't know fifteen of these demonstrations in Toronto, it almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm who the speakers are like like if there's one big one that happens at the Hollywood Bowl or mm-hmm. maybe Berlin it'll be an important right. or maybe the White House I don't know but the ones here and in a lot of cities the most important part of it is people power thousands of people yes. in the street that's what we retain that's what we remember mm-hmm. the optics and the power of that rather than who gets to speak and what do they say and who used the wrong word and yeah. so um, that, that's just me. I mean, I, I do get that there are some people I would probably be more sympathetic to or appreciate, but I think if, if there's a blanket statement I can make this Saturday anywhere that you can, if there's something happening near you, it's a good day to go out and protest. Well, I mean, there's 43 cities now who have, um, I've seen posters, and every time I see a poster for one of these demonstrations with the date or Global Day of Action or Iran or Solidarity or something, I get the same feeling. I mean, it's it's just that sense of pride that we've all come together, and I think that's been the most important aspect of this revolution. To and let's, let's remember this. We've now done a, f- a number of shows where we've spoken to people on the front lines mm-hmm. in Iran. I'll ask them again today. I'll ask the guests we have on. But w- all, every single one of them that we've asked has said it means something mm-hmm. to them yes. for people to be. So it's not... It's not a theory that if we go out on the streets, yeah. it helps the protesters and the those who are trying to affect change in Iran. Uh, it is it is a reality. They know. They hear the news. They see it. They pro- watch the videos. They care. It yes. ma- makes a difference. So here's a simple way to make a difference. We are coming to you on rookmedia.com. This is where you can link to all of our platforms. And we are on this ongoing mission, if you're new to us, to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. So we're on a 
number of platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. Check us out on any of those, depending on where you're listening to us right now or, or consuming this. If you'd like to see visuals with Rook, uh, we have those up on YouTube, which you can switch over to. And if you want your descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, um, Telegram tends to be our, our bilingual account, so you can subscribe there. It's all at Rook Media. Um, we got we, we got, Okay. All right. So, uh, Pega, we'll see you on the other side of this. Yes. First up, we are going to go to... Shiraz and a uh, or the south of Iran. South. I think she's in the south of Iran yes. now. She was in Shiraz up until this morning. Yes. Um, she's in her early twenties. She is a graphic artist, uh, and her name is Behgol. Behgol, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. I know you're a graphic artist. I know you just you just came from Shiraz uh, this morning, right? You're in the south of Iran now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm. We we spent a few hours trying to get you on the line, so I'm I'm thrilled that we got you. Um, tell me first of all. I'm assuming you've been active in the protests in Shiraz. Would that be the case? Uh, yes. Yes, that's correct. Actually, the first day, the first night that Shiraz was uh, crowded, I was out there, and it was actually my first time joining the protests you've never protested before and uh, not really okay. i wasn't uh, i wasn't old enough first uh the year 88 it was john Sabs. yeah and i was so young that i remember i was i think eight something like this right and uh we went to the roof and we shouted allahu akbar all the all the houses it was amazing sound that it was kind of protesting right that was my first time but this year was my uh, it was actually my first time that i was out there in the streets actually and, and and tell me tell me why why this time is different for you why this time you were compelled to want to uh, hit the streets in shiraz because it is, uh, I don't know how it's obvious, but it's obvious that this time is different. This time we should, we should do it. This time is now or never kind of situation. And um, I'm old enough in the first, uh, in the first step. I'm old enough to do this, and um, I don't know. I have a huge hope. Besides that fear that hopeless the dark fear i have i have this huge hope this huge light i see and it helps me it helps me to get up and do the shit together and do it talking to you hearing your voice right now gives me and i'm sure many people who are listening a hope because obviously we vacillate between being horrified by some of the news coming out of Iran in terms of the, the crackdown by the regime and then the hope of people like yourself who keep going out there. So, so first of all, um, do, you, do you feel like uh, in the last 
week or so, uh, are you feeling like there's still as much energy and um, as much interest in the protest movement as there was in the first couple of weeks? Many of us are afraid that it's it's going to be crushed by this uh, regime, even though we believe it. This is the time. But what what is your perspective? Should I be honest? Yes. Are we talking about only Shiraz or um, Darkol? You can talk about all of the country or Shiraz. You tell me. What's your perspective? I, um, the thing I see in social media about the whole country, every every day in this last uh, month, every fucking day it's crowded. Every day. Uh, Tehran is the most uh, crowded city mm-hmm. in this uh, situation. And every day it's crowded. But uh, to be honest, Shiraz is kind of disappointing. I think uh, the year 98, Aban of 98, uh, Shiraz has the most killed yes. um, its population. Yes. And uh, I think a lot of families are being threatened and uh, are being watched. Because day by day, I see less people in the street. But I, I only talk about Shiraz because I only see the streets of Shiraz in my own eyes but the videos I see the whole country is crowded so so when you when when you more recently like in the last couple of weeks when you go out and I mean Shiraz we should note you're absolutely right that that was one of the epicenters of Alban so there was a lot that there's a, there's a lot of you know recent memories of a, of a horrible crackdown that happened but yes. that said yes. i mean shiraz is a very big city so it, it, it when you go out are you saying that you don't you don't see people um, protesting or just just less than what you imagine it to be in other places let me create the picture of the streets for you it's a lot of people just waiting for one person only one person to say something, to say uh-huh. Magbar Dikbat or to say Zanzendeya Zadi. Uh, when one people, when one person say, everybody answered. But, you know, uh, for example, there's a hundred of people and there is thousands of cops. There is thousands of uh, morality police. There is thousands of, what do you call Lebashar? A plain close militia, plain closed uh, yeah. military, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of these people. There are more than us. They are so much more than us. You can't imagine how much, but they are so much more than us. It's very horrifying. It's like the real war scene. I haven't seen anything like this in my whole life. The first night I went out there, I uh, there was a lot of... Tear gas. There was a lot of tear gas uh, in my lungs, and I couldn't eat anything for mm. two whole days. Mm. There's actually a real war scene. You can't imagine how yes. horrifying it yes. is. And there are a lot more than us. Um, well, but it sounds like what you're saying is that uh, you believe that a lot of people are on the side of the movement. They're just fearful to get yeah. out in the street against uh, yes, these thugs, yes, right? Actually what I'm yes. And um, in Shiraz, people mostly protest with their um, car punks. Uh-huh. 
honking their horns. Yeah. Yes, yes. But Beko, let me ask you something. Uh, uh, You know, do you, I mean, obviously you can't represent an entire city. You're one person, you're a woman in her early 20s, and so you have a certain social circle, et cetera. But in in terms of the people that you've come uh, come across, other than those who are literally holding the guns and are in the the military or the police or the, the militia, do you find people who are supporting the regime? No, I haven't seen anybody. I really didn't see anybody in, at least in my group of, of people who I have surrounded by, I haven't seen anybody supporting the regime. I mean, this is really important um, because it, it speaks to the the common will that's there. I mean, we hear things like Iranians are united against this regime. They just, you know, it, it's just hard to make make this change happen. But you don't you don't know whether to believe it or not. You don't know if there's a, a bunch of people who are, I don't know, religious or something who are supporting this. Uh, and I know there's some of that and, and certainly in some of the, the more rural areas. But, but it's fascinating to hear somebody like you say, you can't even find somebody that supports this regime. Uh, they are... Um, it's, I don't know how to say it, but I can kind of say it like this, that they are more powerful, but we are more. They have the guns, but we are more. If we all become united, we all, millions of people more than them. They are very tiny without these bullets and guns. They can't do anything. If they hadn't had these guns, they haven't had the guts to come in the streets and have eye contact, even have an eye contact with us. Mm. They don't have guts to have eye contact with us. These days, I saw them and they don't even look at my face. They don't have the guts to look at me or none of us. Are you one one of those brave people who? I mean, it's okay if you're not, but but are you somebody who goes uh, walks on the street without hijab? Of course, I am. It's been um, a lot of years that I'm doing this. I think more than three or four years that I'm not wearing hijab. Wow. I'm just wearing it uh, around my neck. But these days, I'm holding it in my hand and I walk the streets. And what it's happens? Does anything happen? Have you been? Uh, detained? Have you been taken away at all? No, happily no. And nobody even tell me that wear it. Nobody tells me that. Nobody asks me to wear my scarf. People even don't look at me. They don't even care. It's only them. Normal people, they don't care. It's normal for them. Uh, do Do you know anyone who has been um arrested or injured or shot at in terms of your own circle um i only have one of my friend of mine told me that his friend got shooted in the ankle mm. and um she i don't know what she want to do i found her a doctor but she tells me that she has more important stuff to do in this moment. I don't know what does she mean, but hmm. this is the answer she told me. She was shot in the ankle. When when you talk about the fact that there's so many more 
um, of the army or the, the police or whatever you want to call the thugs out there than they are you guys, protesters. Tell me about the conversation you have with yourself about why you go out there knowing the risks that you're taking. I think um, uh, my blood, me, I have, I'm not any different than the people who are dying right now in this exact moment. I have no difference with them. They are fighting for freedom. I'm fighting for freedom. And we are all one. As I said before, if we come all united, we are very much more than them. And they only have bullets for a few of us. They can't kill all of us. They are, they're going to run out of bullets soon. They can't kill all of us. This is how I think. This is, I think that this is the darkest days of all. We must end it or this darkness is going to eat us all. And there is no life here if we're not going to be, uh, if we don't end this, it, it's not any life here. This is how I believe it. If we want to leave, what, we should end this. What do you most, if you imagine and, um, and Azadi, 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 if you imagine a, a free Iran, or an Iran without this current regime and their rules, what, what, what do you most, what would you most look forward to? I have a dog, and every time I'm walking him in the street, I'm always having a stress that what if right now, because I was arrested once because of walking my dog, and I'm always having the stress that what if somebody comes and take him away from me? After we have this Azadi, I'm going to walk him around the city mm. and I'm going to show him everywhere. And I'm going to hug every everybody, mm. who, every woman especially. It's going to be so much different. We have a lot of things to do. You know, uh, as somebody who has a... Uh, a dog myself uh, um I, I i'm so i'm quite in love with what you just said what a beautiful thing to say but but with but having said that do you know how insane it sounds for somebody who's sitting in the west to hear that someone's desire someone's putting their life on the line so that she's she's able to walk her dog it is just so it, it, uh, it's it's even the same for us here it's yeah. sure insane for you obviously insane for you yeah I don't know I think they are pure evil pure evil because um, in all the things that I've been learning from since I was a child always love breaks the hate always light breaks the dark mm. but it's gonna happen eventually they can't do this. They are fighting against all the lights and all the lives they see everywhere. They can't do this always. They, they should stop. We're going to stop them. Bechel, do you have sisters and brothers? Do you have siblings? No, it's just me. It's just you. Do you have, are your parents around? And not right now, but they are around. Okay, so, I mean, they're they're alive. They're, you, you, you're in touch yeah. with them. So are they... What what do they have to say about you you going and demonstrating and being out on the streets? They totally support me. They say 
maybe it's not time for this is how they they tell me they tell me that maybe it's not the time for them maybe they don't have the guts yet but they're gonna stand right next to me in the protest someday soon wow they see this day and even the regime see this day we all see this day when you see it in your mind you can totally have it in your physics life it's it's the fact and we've all seen that day we all seen our freedom even they saw our freedom they saw themselves breaking down to pieces to tiny little pieces worthless pieces you think the regime you think the regime is scared yes they are scared badly scared this is obvious they are killing 10 year old children they are going to uh, they're going to schools and they are arresting groups of girls who are 16 who are 15 who are 17 yeah somebody who is scared as fuck will do this yeah i tell you nobody do this nobody do this they are just kids come on dude yeah well uh a few days ago, I, we, we opened the show talking about Zahidan, and that kind of a scene is like something out of a horror movie where they just open fire on a bunch of people, including kids, right? Little boys and girls. And uh, um, Do you, do you, uh, ha- I mean, how, we, we had so much trouble getting in touch with you. Are you do you feel like you're connected to all the news in terms of what's happening in different parts of Iran? I don't think so, because not only me, but when in a city the protests began, uh, they cut the internet. As fast as possible, they cut the internet. So um, if I have the network, the city in protests don't have the network to share the news. But I know there is crowd out there. I know everywhere is uh, protest, and uh, I don't know for you, sure. You know about the the, the the fire at Evian Prison, for example. You know about things yes. like that. Yes, yes. And do you know about what's happening outside of Iran? Do you know about the international the demonstrations in places like here in Toronto in support of you guys? Yeah, I saw that, and uh, I follow Sag Walshani on my Instagram, and I saw her protest. I saw how how she's working since the first day, yes. and I see I see them. And, I, and does I it does it does it make a difference to you if there are those of us outside of Iran? Personally, no. But no, to okay. the foreign people who don't know what's going on, who never heard of Iran, who don't know what it's like to live in Iran, who can't even imagine, it's it's very good. It's it's helping us to connect somehow, connect with them, and um, let them know how we are living these days. And you know the frequency and the energy comes up. The everybody mostly are talking about Iran these days. So we are getting braver when we hear, for example, somebody support us in that call. It doesn't change 
a lot. But in our hearts, hearing that somebody is supporting us is giving us a lot of courage. That's good. That's good to know. That gives us, uh, we know our job. Our job is to do what we can to, to support you guys. And we're so in awe of, of what you do. Do you, do you have a plan for, do you, do you know what's going to happen in the coming days? I mean, do you, you, do you guys, are you organized or do you just kind of go out? Uh, the, mm -hmm. A couple of weeks ago when we were talking to somebody, she said, at this point, she just goes out on the streets and finds protests. I mean, uh, how, how organized yeah. is, is, is the movement? It's not really organized because um, I don't know. I don't know why exactly. I don't know. But it's not really it's not really like that. We go out, we see the crowd, we protest, we sure, we say for like 10 minutes, and then thousands of morality police surround us, and they throw uh, tear gas, and immediately we are motivated, and it's finished. Again, somewhere else for 10 minutes, but it's good. It's good that we don't let other people to feel that it's normal these days. These days are not normal. This is a revolution. Revolution is not normal. It's war. We shouldn't let people feel normal these days. Hmm. And Beko, the final question to you, and again, I thank you um, for, by the way, I think it's, it must be, what is it like it's like uh three in the morning there or something right i really appreciate yeah. this so so you you i mean we spent all day trying to get in touch with you so we it's it's normal hours here but um thank you for doing this y you know you talked earlier about how you were super young when the green movement happened in hash the hash in 2009 uh now of course yeah. you're very very old uh, but, uh, but but do you do you see um, we've heard so much about these brave teenagers and, and kids out there have you witnessed that and can you share any stories about what about about what you've even what's inspired you in terms of the bravery of people who are even younger than you I can't say anything I I really said Taish adore them adore them the tiny kids they are like my role model i look at them and again that courage that i was talking about it goes to my heart but you know uh, how how mm, human is it it wants freedom we have freedom in level four we can see level five and we want level five. This is how human brain works. Sure. And we are in level minus 10, I think. We want, we want, we want a lot of this. We deserve a lot more than this. Iran is a great country. It has great artists. It has great doctors it ha it is amazing it has great views and we don't really deserve this this is this is how i see it and this is how, what we need to do right now this is what we are assigned to do in this life i think 
we these years we are chosen to do this and we should do this because it doesn't happen every day revolutions doesn't happen happen every day no uh beth Gull, i can't thank you enough for taking the time i hope thank i hope we'll be able to course. talk to you again and i i hope i really hope you take care of yourself and I thank you for everybody that you, you inspire. We should be alive and see them die one by one. Take care of yourself, okay? Okay, you too. Thank you so much. Bye -bye. Good night. of Rook the Uprising, episode 208, Voices from Inside Iran, part four. Um, we are going to go to Tehran now. And somebody who works in the tourism industry, uh, who we are going to, for the sake of this interview, call Badiyar. Badiyar, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you so much for doing this, sir. And you're welcome. I should do that. You should do that? Tell me why you say that. Actually, if I want to start to talk about only tourism industry, and I talked before to the people in my Instagram and everywhere, they destroyed tourism. And I don't know why. Sometimes I wish, I wish really I didn't have oil so they could use their mind to stop eating the oil and use the benefit of this country. Mm. But how can... How can they bring income to this country? But when they don't want to understand, when they don't want to listen, when they don't want to understand that tourists is not a hostage. So what what should you do? Badia, it's it's a uh, it's but you feel you feel sorry you feel the it's important for you to do your part and speak out. Speak out in everywhere. Okay. We should speak everywhere. Let, let me let me start by asking you about you know obviously this is um, this latest uh, uprising or revolution many are calling it start it's been about a month now a little over a month um, and there's certainly been ups and downs how how are you feeling today about what is happening in Iran in terms of the revolution? Okay, if I want to talk about this late month, this last month, I should say that. The good thing that happened is that people now understand more and now they're connected more about feelings, about they share feelings, they share their thoughts, and they yell each other's one and wants and needs. And that's a good thing. I never seen this kind of people being together before. And I should say that this one, I think everything going to be different. This one, it should be different because people are different. So you're so you're talking about people inside Iran, in, in Tehran where you are, are having conversations with each other publicly as well as obviously privately because those conversations have always existed privately, but are somehow having conversations publicly um, that they wouldn't have had a couple of months ago. 
of course, no, they did. They didn't have a couple of months ago, and not only Tehran, because as you said, that I'm working in tourism, tourism industry, and in most of the cities that I've been there, that I've been, that's the same, and that's something that's going to going to make me happy. Can you give me an example, give people an example of what what you're talking about in terms of, I mean, obviously we know that there's some people on the street um, saying Marbag Dictator or whatever, but I mean, what what in terms of the non-protesters or the people that you observe who are having conversations, what are they saying? For, for example, Khoramabad, a city in western, west of Iran. I'm going to Khoramabad, and I see that people in the street are talking about that's going to be good that this regime is going to be changed. We are tired. And uh, let me tell you one memory. Sure. I was in one taxi to go to another part of the city. I asked the taxi driver, how's the situation here? He said that nothing really much. People are not doing anything. And some people doing some wildly things and they left. Exactly five minutes later, we were in the middle of the protest hmm. with the car. And that was the first time I said that this time is going to be different. This time something can happen. Because in Khoramabad, I never expect something to happen. Hmm. That was an example. If I'm going to the east of Iran, for example, in I've been in Tus. People were talked a lot about this. Some people that waxing the shoes also they're talking about this. And that's the thing that everyone in Iran are talking. So people are changing. How how would you describe the atmosphere? this week you know it's so hard for us those of us outside of iran obviously we see certain videos where there's a there's a crowd fighting back against the 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 police or the military or the militia um, but we can't tell how widespread that is we can't tell if the protests are growing or 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 slowing what what is your sense of where things are at this week look uh protests this kind of protests at the first, I said that to my friend, if it's going to last around two months, it will never end. And we're already in the half of that. Uh, sometimes it's weaker. It's not the volume is low, but sometimes it's higher. But it's never stopped. Uh, for example, yesterday. Yesterday, it was not a lot. Maybe I expected more. It was not a lot. But it was something. And I'm sure in three days, it will be more. The good thing is that it will never going to be stopped. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. But now it's the main issue of every person that I see. You are, you are confident that this is not going to stop, it sounds like. Maybe it's going to be stopped. But if this one is not going to be happen the next one it will be right right it's it's a matter of time yeah exactly what what is your personal experience in, in terms of the the demonstrations or the protests uh 
do you know people who've been detained? Are you have you been on the front lines? Do you see the the youth of the protesters? Can you describe what you've witnessed, especially in recent days? Yeah. From, about my friends, let me tell you something. Jose Ronald was one of my friends. And uh, he came to my house several times. We talked. And yeah, this is one of my famous friends that been arrested again. But in the street, yeah, I saw that they shot. I saw that uh, they moved towards the people and people didn't do anything. I saw that with my own eyes that we didn't do anything. They suddenly attacked us. I saw that we sometimes, yeah, we, we start to say something like my bad dictator or something like this. They will attack, they will shoot shoot us, they will arrest a lot. I saw that with my own eyes, they beat someone near to death. And I saw one Russian into the street that he was in Iran as a tourist. Mm -hmm. I saw that. And near Spinas Palace, uh, Spinas Hotel in Keshawar Boulevard. I saw that he was filming near the hotel and they, I don't know if he died or not. I, I don't think that he died because if, if, if he died, everyone would know that. But I saw that he was beaten nearly to death. Wow. Yeah. The funny thing was that that person speaks Russian. But right. I don't know if they are blind, they are deaf, or what happened to them. They are drugged. Hmm. They didn't even listen to his language. That was something that was really shocked me. I mean, Badia, the 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 you know the the philosophy or the expectation is they do this because they will so terrify people by killing and, and beating and arresting and detaining and all of those tricks that we know, uh, we've seen in the past from this regime, they, that they will so terrify people that eventually, ultimately, people will stop protesting. They will just give up because they're too scared. Now, what, what we have heard from people that we've been talking to inside Iran and young people who say I'm we're never giving up we're 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 not afraid this time um tell tell me about you tell me about your own philosophy on this obviously you've done a, what we call a gut check you know you've looked at yourself in the mirror and said okay I'm going to put myself out there I'm going to actually talk to this show in Canada right now and put myself out there um tell me about that conversation and why you why they can't scare you when you see the things that you've just talked about witnessing. Look, when you don't have anything to lose, your life doesn't matter. That's the thing. And that's the, most of the, that's the thing that most of the people are saying that. They don't have anything to fight for. So why they should live? At least, they have one thing, it's their blood. 
they are ready to give it, maybe another generation can live. That's the situation right now. I saw that when they, when they start to shoot, some people are hiding, but some people are not. They are ready to die because they are not, uh, they don't think that they are living. What about they you? What, what about you? Thing. What about you? You have, you 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 have a job. You have a. It sounds like you have a life. Why why are you putting yourself out there? Actually, uh, about my philosophy in life, <laughs> I, I've been in that position that this is not life for a long time. After the Green Revolution, in I don't know in uh, in Persian calendar is eighty uh, eighty eight. Yes, I don't know two thousand and nine. Yeah. Yes, two thousand and nine. Yeah. On that time, I start to say that we're going to lose everything, and life without with without everything is worthless. Well, on that time, I had this philosophy, and every time that there was protest, I was inside. And I hope that if I'm going to be die, if I'm going to be killed, it reached to some point that next generation can be happier. This is my philosophy from 2009. Yeah. Nowadays, I see that there is a lots of people that have this philosophy, and that's a good thing. We, we've heard a fair bit about the next step in terms of this movement really growing and having an impact is to see some of the businesses and the workers engage in some strikes or close down. And for us, for, for, for people to see uh, defections like either the military and the police to uh, and the thugs to get tired or to want to give up and not want to keep shooting at their own people. Have you witnessed either of those things? Um, pardon, I didn't get that. The person who doesn't want to close their shop or something like this? Yeah, you. Uh, the, the, what? What? How much have you witnessed a, a desire to go on strike or create those kind of economic conditions that further strangle the regime? Look, there is one sentence is really familiar in Iran right now. Who is silenced right now? I don't. I don't say that everyone come to the street. No, some people have fear. Some people maybe they think that they love this life, but when we see that some people are completely silent, we can say that we are sure about that. They have something to use from this government. If it's not, they are not happy. Mm. When you see that someone is happy, in Iran, and someone is protecting, or someone is completely silent, it means that this government helps him. Hmm. So, now we have only two ways. The people 
the most of the people that they are really tired of this government or the some slow amount of people, some small amount of people, sorry, that they are connected somehow to the government and the life is working with them. So in this situation, I, I always said that whoever doesn't close their shop, whoever doesn't do anything should be somehow connected to the government. And, and in your travels and in your experiences, uh-huh. how, what percentage, I mean, off the top of your head, I know you can't do this scientifically, but, but how, how many folks do you run into who say, what's the problem? Life is great here in Iran. Actually, zero. Actually, one person, one taxi driver only. Only one taxi driver defend the government. And what did he say or she? He, that was he. Okay. Um, he said that uh, why people make some, this mess into the street? Why they should do such a thing like that? And then I understand that where we live, and, and I understand that, yeah, from the village that he lived, the government sent some money to there. Mm. I understand that mm. because of the another person that I talked, but that was only one person in last months, only one person. What, what has, uh, I mean, I, I guess the, the regime and supporters would like to, of it would like to send a message that it's, you know, it's business as usual. Life is normal in Iran right now. I would suspect that the tourism industry, I'm not going to say specifically what it is that you do. We don't want to identify you, but in general terms that the tourist industry would not be flourishing right now. Um, what, what have you noticed in terms of your own business? In terms, in terms of my own business, I said that when they shut the airplane, I said that why you did that. When, what, uh, sorry, what do you call Barjom in English? Uh, JCPOA, yeah. When, when we always said that, please keep the nuclear deal, they didn't listen to that. Because when we had the nuclear deal, I should say that about the tourism, Iran start to explode. Mm. I didn't have time to wash my clothes. This much tourists we had. And the economy started to grow. We always said that, please keep the nuclear deal. They didn't listen. Don't arrest the tourists as a hostage. Tourist is not a hostage. <laughs> they did that. Don't shut the airplane. They did that. So why people should come to Iran? And so, so are, are should, people still coming to Iran? I mean, who would go on holiday in Iran right now? Is there? Are you? Do you still have people coming? In these days, we have Russians. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. And one time, I saw before this month, before this month, one time I saw one sp- group from Spain. Hmm. That's it. On that time. At least I had 
uh, I told you, I never had time to wash my clothes. I was full with tourism from England and Australia. Right, right. Yeah, I can't see how that's going to be uh, while this regime stays after this. If if the revolution doesn't happen anytime soon, I can't see how tourism is going to flourish again uh, with this regime in power. Not only tourism. If, if you think about the Turkey, they saved their country with tourism. Yes. It's next to us. The, the problem is that the government that we have are the colon is the colony of the people with the lowest IQ and lowest EQ possible in Iran. They don't understand. They have delay to understand. Hmm. Okay. For example, after three months, some mullah will come to say that we think they they want us. They they want to destroy the whole regime. Come on! At the first day, we said that right. they have delayed. Right. Really, they have. Right. They have right. 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 I, we know that there's a. Obviously, we we're we're well aware of the internet crackdown and the and the communications crackdown because it's becoming more and more it's, it's becoming harder and harder each week for us to be able to get in contact with people in iran to do these interviews uh how, how much information is getting out there to people that you run into um in tehran or in the other cities i mean are is everyone still aware of everything that's going on was everybody aware of the the that horrible incident within Evin on the weekend was that does that information travel or does the crackdown mean there are some people who are literally in the dark who don't know what's going on? Let me tell you the example for the last week. In Instagram, for, from the first, no one was in Instagram. They tried to find some proxies and VPNs. Uh, it's become better somehow, but in last week, they destroyed all of the lines that people could connect. Mm. Actually, my brother is making VPN for me, and they destroyed all of his servers. So, people cannot send anything. In my Instagram, people that are not here, right. people who sometimes show some activities, they are lost. I cannot find them in the in internet. And when I call them, they said that we cannot co connect. We don't have internet. We don't have good VPN. But doesn't that make it harder to organize then in terms of action and protests and whatever? No. No, it doesn't make any difference. Nowadays, people start to act like the revolution in 1978. They use the paper. Mm. They yeah. use the paper in the street. Yeah, the there, 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 were, there were revolutions before the internet. It's true. Yes, exactly. They start to use that. And the good thing is that people learn how they should do. They learned from the past. So when there was no internet, how people made revolution, they're doing the same. 
the good thing is that there are smart people against dumb people. And the bad thing is that the dumb people has a weapon, but the smart people doesn't have anything to defend. Right. Although there's millions of smart people, it would seem, versus a, a small group of, of dumb people, and to use your analogy. And so the hope is that the that the small group can be overtaken eventually. Um I have to ask you, I'm so grateful for the time you're giving us. Thank you for doing this. And I'm grateful that our line hasn't dropped while we've, while we've been doing this today. Um, People will be hearing this in a few hours. Um, People are listening around the world. You know, we go on these demonstrations and we put things on Instagram and we sign petitions and we hope that somehow we're making a difference for you guys. I mean, we're, we're doing what we do to try and support the people in Iran like yourself who are on the front lines of trying to create this change. Can I ask you, uh-huh. does, it, does it make a difference to you when you hear about the demonstrations outside of Iran, when you hear about people trying about to... The, about the demonstration outside of Iran, you can see that with the behavior of, for example, American president, that when they are killing us into the street, he said that you want to make nuclear deal with Iran. Hmm. Now he said that we don't care about the nuclear deal. Yes. Of course. The movement outside of Iran and the help that they can hear our voice can put pressure into their government. And it will help us. At least we know that when they buy, for example, tear gas from England, for England. Now everyone knows that the tear gas that they use against Iranian protester is came from England. So England now cannot sell easily to them. That's, that's a good thing. At least it's one step forward. Right on brother. Right on, right on. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for, um, for everything that uh, I mean, for for your being so open and 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 talking to us and and taking the time and and I I really hope that you stay safe in the midst of your involvement yourself. Thank you, and I hope if I didn't stay safe, at least next ger- generation can taste the life. Badia, thank you so much for this. Take care. Welcome. You too. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The breath of the morning I keep forgetting The smell of the warm summer air I live in a town Where you can't smell a thing You watch your feet Cracks in the past Up above Aliens hover Making home movies For the folks back home Of all these weird creatures Who lock up their spirits Through holes in themselves I live for this Secret
stick with Tehran right now and go to somebody that we've had on before on one of these episodes, uh, The Voices Inside Iran. He is a young documentarian and a comedian, and his name is Sammy. Sammy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can hear you. So first and foremost, we've had a really difficult time today getting in touch with people. What can you tell us about why that's happening right now? Well, uh, as far as I know, uh, none of the inter- uh, none of the VPNs are working at this stage. Uh, since the Evan incident um, that night, uh, everybody lost their connections uh, to their VPNs. But uh, we still have the the internal um, internet that we were using, and I'm actually barely connecting. I don't know if you guys can hear me fine or yep, not. You're good. You're good. All right, because I had to like, I got to tell you something. I had to walk like 10 blocks um, to get a decent connection. <laughs> well, we, we started the day with, with five people lined up. I've explained this on the show already. Uh, a woman in Shiraz, uh, uh, a couple of people in Tehran, somebody in the north. And um, and we have not been able to reach anybody uh, except for you and, and one other person so far. So it is a it is a very, very difficult day. And, and this happens each week. It's getting progressively worse in terms of connections. So 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 oh, yeah. you would you would say this is this is the regime cracking down harder each week on on the internet trying to block things yes oh yeah absolutely because um they have uh, i mean if you've paid attention to social media the videos that are coming out of them um trying to trying to control the situation has actually made them a laughing stock um somewhat internationally and even uh, you know domestically so uh, they don't really want to get all that mess out. I think it's because of that that um, the internet is getting a, a bit tricky. And, uh, and I, yeah, yeah, I think it's absolutely the state's crackdown. You know, um, something I want to talk about on, on Monday's show is that um, uh, we've been in touch with a couple of people who uh, were talking about the fact that, you know, these internet crackdowns and blackouts and, and uh, this doesn't just affect the... Uh, democracy movement, if you will, in terms of organizing and people who are dealing with um, wanting to protest or fight for human rights, etc. It also affects anybody who has any kind of business in Iran, including some young independent businesses who are just trying to stay alive, just trying to feed their families. Um, they're, they're derailing their own people by doing this in terms of being able to run their own businesses, right? Yeah, sure, man. Um, I mean, if you look at the Instagram, uh, what do you call it? Like filtering, we call it filtering, but it's not filtering, it's blockage, right? It's blocking your access to Instagram. Uh, it was estimated that 10 million jobs have been lost. Yeah. I don't know if that figure is, is correct or not, but this is the, this is the figure that the um, state media have released. And I don't know why they released because it, right. it seems quite a, a thing fishy, to be proud you know, of. Yeah, million. yeah, you know, we've we've derailed ten million jobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they, if that's the estimate that they're giving, I mean, just picture what the real estimate would be. Well, you whatever know? it is, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, we were talking to somebody. It's she, a lot of people, she, man. We were talking to somebody who's got a female-run business in, in, in health, and uh, it's an independent business, and, and her, you know, the internet is integral to part of it, and she's had to, for now, 
not pay her employees or have difficult doing that. I mean, it's it's a it's a difficult uh, mess. Even though they're all supportive, of course, of the movement, but that these these internet crackdowns, we have to think about further than just the movement in terms of how they affect people. Um. So so Sammy, I'm I'm cognizant of the fact that I've I'm lucky to have you, and we we might lose you. What what can you tell us about how things? what you've witnessed in the last week since we last spoke to you um, and in the intervening time we've had um, the the Evian situation we've had obviously more more word of more deaths and, and arrests and and um, the arrest of a very popular famous uh, independent journalist and blogger t- tell, tell tell me what you've witnessed in the last week oh you are you talking about Hossein uh, Ronabi right yes. Yeah, well, um, I as far as I know, uh, but I mean, I've been experiencing the the internet, uh, you know, blockage and all that, uh, all the same, the same as uh, the rest of the people that are living in this country. So I've been, um, you know, in a bit of a, a, a radio silence lately, and I'm, you know, it's irking me a little bit, and um, I've been trying to like, you know, get in touch with people who know what is going on. Uh, Based on some of the news that I've heard, uh, they've been detaining students, you know, and I'm not talking about um, university students. I'm talking about the the high schoolers, you know, uh, whoever they suspected that might have been part of the movement. I think they've uh, uh, so far, I think they've detained about 100. That's the estimate figure that I have, 100 high school students. I think in one of the cities in Iran, and uh, but you know, don't quote me on that because these are really rough estimates. You really don't know what to trust these days. Um, also, uh, based on the, the the way that it was that it is progressing at this stage, um, you see a lot more. I mean, if I want to explain to you how it's been going, I have to explain it in in couple different sections the first section is um on the uh you know on the on the anti-protest uh forces you see a lot more of the undercover uh you know basiji and and sepahi uh forces within people and um it feels it, it kind of feels like the nazi germany where you felt like everybody could have been a spy it kind of feels like north korea every time you go out and I, yeah, like a couple of days ago, I went out to, uh, you know, just get a, a shot of espresso. And as I was like drinking it, there's a guy who I always buy, uh, uh, you know, coffee from. And he was like, there was a dude next to me. And I was talking to the, to the, to the guy who was giving me coffee. And he stopped me mid-conversation. And, and I didn't ask anything. And it's like after like 10 minutes when the guy who was next to me left, I turned to him. I was like, that was a bit odd. Why did you do that? And he goes like, hey, man, I, you know, I can't be sure, but I suspect this guy is an undercover um, sepahi. And, um, and based on, you know, incidents like that was just one example. Based on incidents like this, you can only surmise that uh, there's a lot more undercover um, forces among people. Secondly, it's, um, I think it's a tactic that is getting popular among people that somebody named it, somebody on Twitter, actually, somebody on Twitter named it the ping pong tactic, um, which is kind of like semi 
non-organized protests mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean like um like today it's gonna be there's gonna be three cities let's let's say mashad tabriz and isfahan right they're gonna you know they're gonna come out in protest and then tomorrow it's gonna be tehran um you know uh, uh rashed or or some other city which is just divided by the uh by the couple of days that are apart you know what i mean so that was the second and what's thing the thinking what's the thinking around say. that uh i think it just keeps the the the, the anti-protest forces on their toes mm-hmm. and it doesn't really give them um uh, the, the you know the uh, space to actually recover from uh the protests and all that and somebody was i was talking to somebody uh the other day and he was and he was telling me that even the the simple fact that they're coming out is good enough you know because they have like these heavy um heavy armors around wow. them and they're standing at the street corners from let's say uh noon to midnight right. that's going to be task Right. You know what I mean? That's going to be a task. That's going to be very taxing to to their bodies, to their spirits, and all that. So that's a good tactic if if that's what uh, what the people are doing. Did you have a third point of what of what you were witnessing? I didn't want to cut. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The third uh, the third uh, section that I want to explain to you is that I feel like the protests are are going more towards the the strikes route. You know what I mean? Um, it's more people just uh, refusing to work in, in refineries, in, um, uh, what do you call them? I, I don't know the English word for this one, but the Fulad industries, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And um, in those industries, those industries are crucial. And it's a chain event that is making its way uh, to capital because I've heard from uh, some cities, I've called a couple of friends that I have in um in different cities and i asked them about the gas station and the gas prices so far the gas prices have not gone up but uh there are talks about gas prices going up but secondly the accessibility uh and and you know that the gas stations having gas is um there's like a a bit of a with uh getting transferred the petrol and the gas and all that right so I think that's the the route that the protests are taking at this point. So there's a f- there's a couple of different um, <clears throat> feelings that we're getting from in terms of the news that's filtering out to us from or or even being being directly told to us from from inside Iran. Um, and it's hard to talk about Iran as a monolith, as you know. You know, earlier this this week, I was talking about Zahidan and Sanandaj and how you know that's a very different situation from. Being where you are in Tehran, for example, but but if, if if we can speak in broad generalizations, we have a team member here who um, who has friends and family in Mashhad, and she was saying she's talked to a couple friends and and there or been able to get in touch with a couple of them who are, and they're saying there's not a lot going on in Mashhad. They're kind of depressed about that. It's not, it doesn't seem like there's a lot happening. Uh, but on the other hand, it's it's. Um, you know, it's hard to day trade when it comes to revolutions. It's not, you know, the, 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 you don't have to see the results every single day. And um, we're just four days removed from from um, Evin, that, that situation, which which was devastating and horrific to hear about. And we still don't know the, all the information, but part of what was shockingly... <sighs> 
I don't want I don't want to use the word inspiring, but was was wild was to see all of these people from Tehran drive to Evan to somehow um, hear the information or support or do what they could. Um, and then we have the crowd that turned up for the the rock climber who returned. You know, so I mean, we they, there's all these elements we're seeing of things are still going on and growing, but at the same time, we're hearing reports that the streets are more empty because of the crackdown. So, what is your vibe when I say all of that? Well, I think there's. Um, I think some part of that is is true, and some part of that is correct but um first of all i'm in tehran right tehran is a very big city just because i you know i open my i open the doors to my apartment and i don't see any protests it doesn't mean it's not happening in other parts right. of the city so that's the first thing that uh, you know you have to keep in mind second um i think it's more uh widely spread throughout the city and in smaller pockets at this stage um, and that's why you don't really see them. For example, I don't know how uh, familiar you are with the uh, with the Tehran train, you know, but there's a um, there's a place called uh, the Ekbatan Towers, you know, and those people are protesting every night, right? But just because Ekbatan is built like a maze, you know, you can easily just get you know just just run right, away from right. the from the anti-protest police forces there. Uh, but other parts of this, the city, people are getting more cautious because there has been um, a lot of arrests. And what is um, what is absolutely taking a toll on our mental health at this stage is that uh, we don't know how many arrests have uh, have been made, right? And every time you open the state media, they just come up with a new bullshit, just bullshit after bullshit. And you just get infuriated every time you look mm. at that. Like, I don't know if you saw on the news a couple of days ago, um, I think it was the, uh, the, the Ministry of Information or something like that. He said, he estimated that it was 150 people protesting. Right. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. And I'm, yeah, and I'm reading that and I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you stupid or something? I saw about 50,000 people myself right. just in the, the area that I was standing. And you can, you know, from, from these... Um, these kind of paradoxical uh, news, you can surmise that our we are we are kind of mentally burnt yeah, out, yeah. right? Every time we um, we are we are getting close to being burned out. Like we are not completely burned out, but but our energy for the past um, month has been spent on verifying what the hell is this guy talking about and what the hell is this other guy talking about, whether it's true or not, you know. And at this stage, I think it's getting a lot smarter the way that protests are going. Uh, they're getting a, a bit less demonstrative, you know, they're getting a bit less uh, physical. And at the same time, um, the fear is kind of going up because of what happened to Evan, you know. The, how how widespread is that kind of information? Does everybody know uh, or what, what do people know about what happened at Evan? See, that's um, that's a tricky one because uh, uh, that one that one actually brought me to tears. Because when it was happening, when Evan was happening, I tried to get um, to to the Evan prison uh, from where I'm staying, but unfortunately, Evan prison is on the you know east side of the city, and I'm living on the west side of the city, and I couldn't get there. But I 
really didn't I, I didn't sleep till like four in the morning and I was scrolling through uh, my telegram, my Twitter, just to find like a, a just a piece of information to see what happened there. Um, the estimates are okay. We kind of felt like that might happen. So right now we've lost Sammy, but we'll we'll just stick on the we'll stay here and see what uh, if he comes back. And the state media has claimed that eight people died so far. So you're you're working with a number between 120 and eight. You know what I mean? It, your guess is as good as yeah. mine at this stage. Uh, so that is frustrating. Well, at first they said at first they said there was a couple of injuries and it's business as usual. Everything's fine, uh, which was you know they don't even lie well i mean in the in the sense that we can see the scope of that fire and we know there were gunshots and there were no we know there were bomb sounds so it's it's not you know conceivable that there's just a couple of injuries uh, um but um but you're right i mean this is the challenge is we have no sense of i mean the, the closest we get to understanding what's going on is when we're talking to you and other people who are inside iran who are describing very human situations you know the story you told last week about the kids rescuing you when you were you know at the protest i mean that the, the these are the these are the things that we're resting on and the imagery that we have in our minds um we just had a, a guest on before you um who was saying that he believes that n no matter what I mean, and, and a lot of people are saying this in, 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 in the context of, say, women who are going out without bravely without a headscarf, without a hijab, without a rusati. But, but he was also saying uh, he feels like no matter what happens in the, in the last month, the goalposts have been moved in terms of the nature of the conversations that people are, are having with each other publicly. Um, that he doesn't think would have these conversations wouldn't even happen two two months ago. Is that something that you're witnessing? Well, that's why I shouldn't take so long asking a question. Uh, let's see once again if Sammy. Sorry, John. Can you there, there. Are you, are you back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you got cut, you cut off uh, for a second there. You were talking I was just, about. I was just um, saying that uh, a, a, a guest that we had, the, the, another another frontline person that we talked to uh, just just before you today, was saying that one thing that's that he's he's witnessing that really has made quite, quite an impact on him is that is that the conversations wherever he goes in Iran because he works in different parts of Iran are totally different from what they would have been two months ago. And everyone's talking about this and everyone, um, and a lot of people are using more militant language than they ever would in the past. This is beyond just the protesters who are saying down with the dictator. Um, can, can you confirm that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that I can confirm. Um, see, I, I always try to be uh, objective, uh, even facing something like this, which feels like Armageddon. Um, and to be honest with you, your uh, former guest told you that the thing that you heard from him is absolutely true because people, people's ideas of, of freedom has changed somehow in the past 30 days, right? Like every, every woman that goes out with a headscarf without, uh, sorry, without the headscarf, uh, without the mandatory hijab is a 
protest unit you know what i mean the only way that i can that i can explain it is just call them a, a unit of protest and they can't really control all of that i see uh, from my way to work every day and from uh, from my you know way to way back home i see at least like 35 to 40 uh brave young um and old ladies not wearing the headscarf and it's inspiring to be honest with you every time i see them uh you know they look at me as if as if they're you know they're committing a crime or whatever and i just reassure them with a smile and i'm like i i you know i make a fist and i show it to them you know i just make a fist and i'm like yeah <laughs> you know the feeling and i'm like you guys are doing it i love you guys for this bravery but at the same time it's um you're absolutely you're absolutely right about the the you know the militant language and all that Iranians have a, as you know, Iranians have a reputation of being polite. You know what I mean? And when the kindest, politest, um, nicest people in the whole world start being, you know, just very impolite in the streets, you gotta, you know, you gotta think about what, what decisions that brought that, you know? You have to think about how angry sure. they are. You have to think about how frustrated they sure. are with the, with the regime. Has your has your own level of fear uh, or your level of decision making around what you're willing to do or not do and how how daring you're going to be has it changed uh, in the last couple of weeks? Not really. Not to be honest with you. It's. I was thinking about this and I realized that it, when I was a kid, my dad told me something that uh, it kind of stayed with me. He told me that it's beneath you to be afraid of thugs and bullies. It is beneath me to be afraid of thugs and bullies. And every time I see the anti-protest movement, uh, the, the anti-protest task force, um, every time I see the Sepahi or Besiji or, or whoever they are, every time I look at them, it just reminds me of high school bullies. Um, and I'm like, bullies are all bark and no bite. You know what I mean? And if all they can do is, is just keep barking, if, if 20 of us um, gather around and, and write something against the, the regime, who's going to stop us? Mm. You know? None of these people have the uh, the foresight to understand what freedom is. But us normal people, us, the people of Iran, uh, we felt it. We felt a little bit of it. And we want more. We just, you know, the, the headscarf thing is, is a fucking symbol. Sorry, excuse my French. It's just, I'm... I'm dealing with a lot it's right okay. now. It's, it's just okay. wearing a headscarf and not wearing a headscarf is a yeah. symbol. When you see that symbol, just when you see that flag being waved in front of you, you start realizing all the things that should have been normal in your life and aren't. Yeah. You know, all the things that you could have had and you don't. And that, you know, that, I think that, that, that decision that you make with yourself that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get my country to freedom. I'm going to get myself to freedom. Yeah. I'm going to get my family to freedom, no matter what it takes. I think that decision trumps every bully and thug that stands your way. Yeah. So yeah. 
Well, <laughs> to give a very long yeah. answer to a short question, not yeah, at all. Yeah, I got you. I got you. And, and by the way, yeah. uh, you're you're a guy in Iran in the middle of a, a crackdown who's walked ten blocks to be able to get a connection with us. Who's bravely out there um, telling us what's going on? You, you're allowed to use the word "fucking." I think that's. I think. I think you. We we give you dispensation. Uh, you know, we'll we'll allow you to do that. And and. And you're actually right about the. I I, I keep thinking, you know, if I, uh, I mean, it's not a, it's not a something that I would we we would will will ever really know. But um, were I to be a one of these brave women in Iran, would I be able to go out? Would I go out without a headscarf? How would I deal with that situation? And every single time, I think I'd like to think that I would, but. Um, they're they're amazing. They they are the, the the leaders. These these people who are going out there and and defying, um, uh, even if the revolution is about a lot more. That is the symbol, right? The hijab and the headscarf, and and so it's such a big deal. L- let me just ask you something. And I know that you're you're just one person. So I mean, we ask you these questions. I know you you know you don't represent. I know you don't represent all Iranians and you know you don't represent all Iranians but you probably represent some so uh, maybe many and maybe you know majority so let's get your opinion you know in the diaspora Sammy there's a there's a there's there's a lot of in, in terms of everybody who's involved in you know people of Iranian background who are involved in and 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 captivated 24/7 with what's going to happen in Iran there's a lot of conversation about how do we support what's happening what can we do Let, let's have a demonstration etc that which is all good and then the, then there's a separate sort of thing that's happening in the diaspora where some people are calling other people out and saying you were a regime enabler and then somebody else says you know um, there's a person who owns a shop here who's a Ghazadeh and then somebody else says you know you said this in 2009 and you shouldn't have um, some of which by the way I think is really legitimate and needs to happen but but I'm just curious for those of you in Iran on the front lines does any of that make any difference to you? Um I think I am I allowed to say uh, something about uh, NIAC NIAC? Yeah, sure. I mean, you're allowed to oh, say it. It's uh, your opinion, I, right? <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I just I don't want like I don't want this part of uh, of our conversation to be cut out. If if you know you're gonna cut it out, I I, I can just not mention it. Well, it depends know? on what you're gonna say. <laughs> if you're gonna say you're well, you're pro NIAC, <laughs> we might get some uh, some hate. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, no. no. No, 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 no! I will not utter such words. Oh, okay. um, so, um, what I'm gonna say is that uh, one thing that Iranians inside Iran have really focused on, and it, you know, with the information that came to light was uh, was Nayak, right? Mm-hmm. And after I think ten years or something, we recently just realized that Nayak is the one who's been silencing our voices and in many occasions softening our messages and i think the reason that that um most western countries have a very you know warped um idea of what islam is in this country uh, is because of Nayak. because uh, you know as you know america has the biggest media on the planet right mm-hmm. When they report on something, everybody else reports on that that particular thing. And when Nayak is consulting BBC, CNN, MSNBC, you know, all the Democrats, mm-hmm. um, when they're 
just advising these people on what um you know what it what it's like to be inside iran and what a tyrannical regime islamic republic isn't right um it 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 really infuriated a lot of us when we realized that we did um that the demonstrations in in 2009 and 2010 we did demonstrations 3 years ago and none of it got out you know nobody heard our voices we were infuriated and it was a it was a a question that we long didn't have an answer for and we realized that for the longest time we, we we didn't know why nobody's supporting us and this time around when when even kim kardashian is um you know posting about iran right. even uh, balenciaga which is just a, another brand uh right. when they're archiving their all of their posts and posting just one thing that says zan zendegi azadi women life freedom when that happens we realize wow okay the scope of the thing that we're doing right now is beyond nyack yes, right yes, yes. but and and I, and I would say that i would say that there are but, people who um, knew uh what was happening in 2019 and what was happening certainly with the green movement and, and we've talked about those things certainly on this show but yes you're right there's a filter that um the the quote-unquote you know official voices of the iranian diaspora have uh, things have gone through uh, that um but it's it's it, the reason i asked the question is because one of the I don't know if it's a defense that these same people use, but one of the things that gets said is, well, well, you know, the the the, the kid, young people in Iran are on the front lines and they're dying and they're, you know, they're fighting. They don't care about these stupid squabbles about whether Nayak is a thing or not a thing and whether we should support them. Or not. Um, you're saying you do, you do actually. It makes a difference even in Iran. Oh, dude, yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, we have all all of the, uh, you know, all of the. Uh, kind uh, Iranians in diaspora to thank for these information, uh, you know, such as yourself. Um, but thanks to you guys, now we know who Nayak is. And now we know how we've been betrayed for the past, you know, let's say 12 years. And and these information really make a difference. Like we stopped supporting, um, I mean, I don't know if you uh, saw that Iranian um actress Mahnaz Afshar in uh, Berlin protests, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. People kicked her out of the crowd because mm -hmm. we remember, you know, we remember what happened to us. We remember who was behind everything. And I think people like to say that uh, our memory is short and our fear is, is you know, um, sorry, our, our, our anger is, uh, it lasts long. But I think it's the other way around. We do get angry, but we get angry in increments, right? Mm -hmm. But this time, I think in these protests, Iranian people have proved that their memory isn't that short either. Mm -hmm. You know, they remember things that happened like 15 years ago, and they're kicking out uh, actors and singers and all that out of their group. But to some extent, it works. You know what I mean? Uh, not to, you shouldn't just go around accusing everybody of being like an apologist or something like that. But to a certain extent, as long as it's Nayak, you know, that that obvious, you know what I mean? Like a situation yeah, like yeah. that. As long as it is, a, it is, it, a, we like have that, to, we do have to say that there are people who have been, um, 
you know, that, that there are people who have been targeted as being associated with the NIAC and stuff who have said that they have no association. And so there's a, there's a danger that obviously in these situations that um, people can be smeared unfairly and stuff. So you, uh, you obviously you're aware of that. But um, but yeah, no, that, that's really, it's very interesting to hear that you are... Um, you are you guys are aware of all of these debates uh, that are that are happening here so um so before i let you go i mean i'm thrilled that we that the line lasted this long um the the connection i should say um what do you know that this saturday is going to be a a, a massive global day of action around the world there's going to be demonstrations everywhere do you do how organized are things inside iran right like iran right now i mean do you have a sense of what's going to happen vis-a-vis demonstrations or strikes or businesses closing or any kind of action or in the next few days well, um, I think the news about the demonstrations, I think it's in Berlin, right? There's a big uh, one in Berlin, but, in Berlin, but it's happening Berlin. everywhere. It's happening. Uh, the, the, Hamid well, is, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the one that uh, Hamid uh, Ismailion gathered. But it, this one has also uh, been organized by Hamid Ismailion, if I'm not the, mistaken. The Berlin one um, is, and then there's one in D.C. and Toronto and London, and some of them are so associated with Hamid, some aren't. But they're, but yes, there's a. The, it's it's basically the whole world is going to be demonstrating on on Saturday, I think, uh, in the Iranian world. That is uh, the Iranian sure. diaspora. Yeah, of course. Um, I think. The organization in Iran is a bit, um, you know, scattered at this point because, um, you know, Internet is a big factor in, in getting people um, together. Uh, but we're trying, I think people, I've seen some people get back to the techniques of uh, 1979. Mm-hmm. You know, when they used to like just um, hand out flyers, mm-hmm. I've seen some people do that. And I'm like, this yeah. is so ineff- ineffective, man. Like, no, <laughs> nobody's got to know. This is uh, 2022, you know, <laughs> like you got to, you got to get to the internet. Yeah, you but the, the, you know, the, the, guy, the guy we had on before you, uh, Bardio said something similar as well, but, but he, but we were just saying, I mean, revolutions did occur before the internet, dude, you can, you can, uh, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> the flyers did work somehow at the <laughs> Russian Revolution or, or or even in Iran in 1979. But uh, the thing is that, like, if, if we try, I mean, me and some of the uh, friends that I have that are uh, programmers and they're uh, tech to as many people as they can. And, I mean, I'm, you know, the interview that I'm doing with you right now, people have access to uh, these kind of interviews. Now, uh, the, the you know, informing people on demonstrations on uh, Saturday is in your hands as well. I mean, yeah, we're all doing all that we can yeah, to yeah. I- inform people on, on the demonstrations that um, are going to take place worldwide and trying to get them out. No, I was, I, uh, I, no it wasn't the worldwide demonstrations that I was, I was asking about what you, if you know what's going to happen in Tehran in the next few days, if you know any of anything that's planned or, um, but I, but I guess it, it, it's more day to day there. You can't really, um, you don't, you can't really tell me. Yeah, it's actually a roll of the dice. I mean, it's not that I, you know, it's not that I, I'm withholding information from you or I'm, you know, I'm doing anything like that. It's just I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I'm trying my best to get as many people out as I can. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to uh, uh, diffuse the fear 
that uh, that these people have as much as I can. And I'm trying to, you know, tell everybody that I know, all the people that um, participated in uh, protests before this one, in demonstrations before this one, I'm trying to tell them that, like, if you, you know, if, if there's a lot of you, if there's like a million of you, there is nothing is going to happen. None of the Basiji or, or, or Sepai forces are going to touch you. And they don't dare because, you know, if you have at least like eight friends in the crowd, um, nobody's going to be able to detain you. And uh, they, they're they not going to try to detain one person when they have like eight friends or something, because even they know what they're doing in the in the demonstrations is it's really just illegal, even based on our laws. But um. What I can tell you is that um, I have a I know a few people who are making uh, a, 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 just some um, not not tools just weapons and all that they're they're making sticks out of um, cement mm. and and PVC pipes. Mm. Um, I'm I'm not a violent type. Just such people as I can together, and uh, I hope to have like a a bigger demonstration than what we had um, a couple of weeks ago. Sammy, thanks so so much for for making the extra effort for us to be able to get connected to you. Stay safe out there. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Um, thank you for for you know being being the voice in these dark times, man. Uh, one one voice, one of the many voices. Thank you, brother. Goodbye. Yeah. Sure. Bye. <laughs> That's Sammy in Tehran. Um, turn your microphone back on, Shia. Yes, yes. Anyway. yes. Well, um, it's interesting. Like each episode that we uh, we we do with the voices inside yeah. Iran, the sound is getting worse. The yeah, sound <laughs> is getting worse. Our ability to get them, but you got you got three. Yeah, you got three got of them. Three, yeah. um, I'm happy about happy about that. Well, the other thing that I find is no amount of this is for me personally, and not to disparage any of the amazing guests we've had on, especially recently, but but no uh, amount of impressive status, uh, great talker, whatever, in in the guests we have for our main shows mm-hmm. is more powerful to me than oh. talking to these people mm-hmm. who are on the front lines in Iran. Yeah. I'm sure in under different circumstances I'd feel differently, but that um all three of them again today. Yes. All three of them. They blow me away. Yeah. Um and Behgol, Behgol in, yeah. from Shiraz yeah. in the beginning. I mean, she is um it's very, very inspiring listening to her. Yes. And she's talking about being inspired by people who are even younger than her, of course. Correct. And that story when I said, What do you what do you want, or what? What is it that? What's your dream of? If yes. if, it, if we had Azadi, Azadi, Azadi <laughs> now uh, in Iran, all of a sudden you snap the fingers. And what? What is? What's the first thing? What would you want to do? Then she says, uh, "I would want to walk my dog," yeah. and that is just wow, yeah. right? I mean, and then, and then I say, "Do you know how insane that sounds?" And mm-hmm. she says, "Even here, it's insane. Yes. We are aware of how insane this is." it's funny because i know that that's not allowed in iran i mean i i'm not oblivious to that fact but just hearing it in the midst of what's going on and to hear that that's what someone would respond to you know what would you do what would be the first thing that's the thing that's the thing we're so used to you know activists in the in the in the context of the west Mm -hmm. you know calling for 
these things that yeah. you know are, are can be you know pushing the envelope too much or whatever it is mm-hmm. we really are talking about somebody who just want the people who just want to live their lives fuck come on like i want to walk my dog yeah that says everything that you need to know about this regime everything mm-hmm. and i i almost feel like sometimes we it's maybe not us but some of the activists make this too political it's it's a lot more you know you don't have to be it's, yeah. this doesn't have to be about political ideology no, no. this is basic stuff yes. mm-hmm. this is a repressive place yeah. right yes it's beautiful yes we love the culture the food and mm. the mountains you know whatever i mean it's I, we get all that but but uh it's insane it's and it's interesting that so many of them talk about like the metaphor is i've woken up you know, this is my chance. This mm-hmm. is our chance. We've woken up because because the the other option is just resignation mm-hmm. that I'm living in this cage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live in a place where I can't walk my dog, yeah. or I can't comfortably hold the hand of my partner and walking yeah. down the street, or I can't be gay, or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, we going out here, g- gives them hope. Actually, I want to say that uh, I remember in Green Movement, I was in Tehran, yeah. but I remember that seeing you guys came here out gave us hope. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's nice to that's nice to know, and I think that's I think it makes sense. Uh, mm. You know, for someone like Behgol to, to you know to know that there's. I want her to know. There's mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. millions of us around the world kind of going, cheering her on, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, big weekend. Uh, we'll see you guys at the protest on Saturday. Uh, for those of you in the Toronto area, there's a Dang Show benefit concert oh, yeah, on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Yes. You guys are doing for proceeds are going where? To the PS752 Justice Organization. All right. So if you want to support that cause and also see the Fabulous Dang Show, you can do that this Sunday in Toronto. Uh, Thank you to all of you for listening. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together each week. Roham, uh, Anahita, Parisa, Pega, Marathon, and Shia. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe on any or all of our platforms if you haven't done so already. You can find me on Insta at Gian Gomeshi. And as ever... Mizunbashi. Mm-hmm.